It's Thursday, June 30th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser, from Inside Value Joe Mager, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems Charlie Travers. Guys, good to see you. Hey, hey there. Google's got a new social media endeavor, and MySpace has a new owner now that News Corp has sold it. Those stories in a moment, but we will begin across the Potomac River, where yesterday the Federal Reserve raised its limit on how much merchants must pay to banks each time a debit card is swiped. The so-called swipe fee was averaging around 44 cents per transaction. Last year, the Fed proposed a cap at 12 cents, and now the Fed has settled at 21 cents for its cap. So, Jason, merchants are going to be paying more, but it certainly seems like good news for the credit card companies. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking as well. I mean, it looks like it's been a back and forth for a while now. Um, you know, the fee industry generates around $16 billion in revenue historically. Now, this is obviously going to be cut significantly. I, I never really bought the idea that these were cost savings that would be passed on to the consumer, though. So, my, my thinking here is that ultimately, the merchants are the ones who are going to benefit the most from this in, in getting a little bit more uh, out of this transaction. Who's going to get hurt by this, Charlie? I would say the consumers, for the reason Jason just mentioned. There's no way uh, the merchants are going to say, hey, consumer, here's an extra quarter <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. And I mean, you're not even going to see that 40 cent, you know, I mean, it's 25, 30 cents, whatever, how big your, however big your purchase is. I mean, you're not going to really notice that. So us, we're the big losers. Right. And, and, and doubly so, because, you know, one thing the banks are good at is figuring out ways to make money. So they're going to lose money on these fees. And what's going to happen is they're going to raise the cost of using your ATM card and they're going to raise the cost of your checking accounts. They'll make the money back somehow. Oh, that's good. I was really yeah. worried about the banks. I'm glad they're innovative that way. <laughs> um, Joe Mager, what about unexpected winners or losers here? Sure. So a big unexpected winner was eBay, and the shares are up about 9% since the news came out. So eBay proper is not the real winner. PayPal was the winner. Mm-hmm. What happened was a lot of people thought that PayPal was going to be roped into these Durban Amendment uh, questions and caps, but ultimately that's not going to be the case. So the shares moved in a pretty big way. 9% is a a good jump. And PayPal is only 38% of eBay's revenue. So that just says to you the magnitude of how people thought that was going to expect or impact the business. Yeah. And you also think about how this affects places like 7-Eleven or Circle K or somewhere where you're going in, consumers are going in and making these lot, real, a lot of small purchases. So you go in and buy like the dollar cup of coffee and the dollar newspaper. Nope, let me use my debit card for that. And so I think, you know, the convenience stores are still kind of getting, getting a And you a know when you do that, the guy just wants to hit you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you have some yeah. of them that are bowing up now and just saying, you know, cash only up to up to three or four dollars. Uh, but I don't know that they're gonna they're gonna benefit from this still. No, I don't have a lot of pity oh, no. for retailers on cards. I mean, my parents own a small retail establishment. It's a very fine store. Uh, but <laughs> you know, my dad always gripes about credit card fees. But I really do not have any pity for him. And I know that sounds terrible, but the rationale is that these cards are such a good deal for merchants in terms of not having to keep cash on hand, which is a big deal when you run a small business because graft is terrible. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a cost of doing business. Yeah, it's a cost of doing business. You avoid checks, which the amount that they bounce is p- terrible. Tons of dealing with bounce checks. It's awful. And does it, anyone like standing behind someone in line who's actually writing a check? Isn't that <laughs> infuriating? Well, I've actually yeah, seen that. I was in the grocery store the other day. I saw someone writing a check, and I thought, my word, I just didn't even realize you could still do that. Yeah, and that's a win for merchants and the consumer. The consumer gets through a line faster, and the merchant turns you through faster, too. So, I mean, while they might complain about it, ultimately, they're a heck of a lot better off for it. Google has started to send out invitations to Google Plus, the company's new social network. The service is similar to Facebook, but with an aim of allowing people to share and discuss information with small groups of people rather than someone's entire social network. 
Joe Maker, Google tried the social networking thing once before, and it kind of failed. So what, kind of failed. What, what is different this time around that's going to work for Google? There are a few things that are very different this time around. The first is that they're rolling this out in a way that isn't intrusive. Uh, Google Buzz was a total flop and that it basically violated people's feelings of privacy. Uh, this one is opt-in. And in fact, the invitations, like I've been scrapping all over the place trying to get an You've invite You've been pretty shameless, frankly. <laughs> I, am, I am without shame. And uh, they're so popular, actually, that they're selling on eBay invites to Google+. That's crazy. Well, it's, it's pretty cool. And I've been thinking about buying one. <laughs> wow, you are shameless. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so the big change there is, again, like they're rolling this out in a way that isn't intrusive, but from a usability standpoint, they're trying to create something that's not as overwhelmed as Facebook is. And basically, this is a chance to kind of get in on a, a more exclusive ground floor uh, social network than what you've got with Facebook, where everyone from coworkers to your parents are on there now, and people are less inclined to share exciting personal details. So, but is Google coming out and saying we're we're going to cap this we're going to keep this small because i get well I, it's the it's the facebook strategy in a way and it's the it's the old gmail strategy but the strategy is basically keeping it tight and exclusive initially both so that they can test and figure out what's working and what's not but also that it's i mean it's exciting like people are like fighting they're paying money to get a free invite contrived scarcity contrived <laughs> yeah it's contrived scarcity and it, it's obviously working very well I think, yeah, that's what I, I have a hard time believing that this won't eventually just morph into something bigger. I mean, Facebook started out small, too. And so, I mean, I understand Google's trying to give this a little bit more of an intimate feel. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, social networking is about networking with lots of people. And, um, I mean, if you want to be on a social network like Facebook, I mean, you're going to be dealing with, you know, mass numbers of people. I mean, at some point, Google is going to be opening this up to to more people. And so I don't see how this this plays out as a long-term thing. And not only is the network more valuable to the users as more of your friends are on the service, you got to imagine that's Google's ultimate end goal. And to Joe's earlier point about not, you know, crossing a privacy line that turns off people, at the end of the day, you got to imagine Google wants to know about it as much as they can to sell targeted ads, and that's how they make their money. I'm really curious how they strike that business need balance with the privacy needs of the people on Google+. And i got to believe it's going to be really difficult to actually convince people to move from Facebook to another you know, sort of network, Google+, or whatever it may be. I mean, a lot of people have really established their lives on Facebook, and, and to move that all over, I mean, man, I have enough trouble even conceiving of moving my bank account and so i mean you know a social network would be i think a, a whole new well, the way level. yeah i agree on its face but what they're doing is pretty clever like they're trying to weave in social tools throughout your google experience so that if you're logged in like google the plus one where it's a way it's like a facebook like where you can share a link or something interesting and that'll show up through your google plus experience if you're a gmail user which I don't know if, if you're below the age of 30, you probably are. Again, it's going to have some sort of integration there. And they're just trying to bring all these things together slowly, almost in a way that it's it's not even like a cognizant change that you're making. You're not going to be like, I'm making the move from Facebook to Google+. Plus. <laughs> it's that Google+, Plus is going to like seep its way into what you're doing. That's that's the strategy that they're being very quiet on. I mean, I'm eager to try it. I don't want to pimp it up too much. I haven't even used the thing yet. But but, but if someone has an invitation that they want to get to you, they can just email <laughs> but, us, radio at fool.com. You know, Jay at fool.com. Let's put that out there. Uh, Google's market cap is around $160 billion. Uh, One of our colleagues here at The Motley Fool just wrote an article saying that on 
At the end of the first day of trading, when Facebook goes public, he believes it's going to have a market cap of around $150 billion, so roughly comparable to Google's. If you had $160 billion sitting around in your pocket, um, and you could buy one of them, but you had to hold it for five years, what would you go with, Charlie? Uh, Google, hands down. I mean, this isn't even close. Google makes many, many multiples as times as much money as Facebook does. And I think we've seen uh, examples where the social network isn't as strong of a business in the long run as what Google's core is. Uh, So it's not even close. Joe, you agree? Totally. Jason? Same boat. I just don't see how you could compare the two at this point. And plus, I mean, Google even looks like a pretty decent deal today with like, what, 20 times earnings? So, Charlie, what would you what would you think about taking Facebook at that valuation or MySpace at the $35 million? <laughs> uh, I would take MySpace at 35 Yeah? Yeah. Speaking of MySpace, in 2005, MySpace was the leading social network online. It was the fifth most popular site on the internet, and News Corp bought it for $580 million this week. News Corp sold MySpace for the aforementioned $35 million to a group that includes Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Charlie, you think it's a good deal? You think they got a steal here? I, I think only uh, because of the involvement of Justin Timberlake. Uh, the guy is gold. Uh, he's very creative. I think he's incredibly funny when he's on SNL. Uh, and I think they will build – they have the chance of building an empire that is worth much more than $35 million. People kind of knock MySpace and forget that they still have 35 million monthly visitors. That pales uh, to what Facebook is doing, which is like 160 million people who come to the site a month. Uh, but there's there's real value here, and I think they'll do well. Jason, what yeah, do you think? It seems like a value investor's dream, and I think, uh, just as Charlie mentioned there, because of the involvement of Justin Timberlake, I mean, you got the, you know, you got the guy from Saturday Night Live doing the that skit you know, about private parts and containers. I mean, that, that's <laughs> the huge. The guy's, the guy's a triple threat. So, I mean, I think that uh, I think there's a lot, a lot to be done Movie actor. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that surprised me, because when I saw the headline, I thought, oh, okay, he's making an investment. He's he's going to be a hands-on owner here. Oh, yeah. He's got an office. He's got a staff. Well, that- and I even said earlier, I mean, the guy's got like five five million plus Twitter followers. So, I mean, if he can really specialize MySpace around the arts and music and, and get – the names that he knows to sort of latch on there, I think they stand to do pretty well. Yeah, they're going to announce their plans later this year. So right now we're just kind of guessing what they're going to do. But his Rolodex has got to be huge. <laughs> I imagine so. Let's help him out. Let's let's be problem solvers. <laughs> One piece of advice for Justin Timberlake on what to do with MySpace. Joe, what do you think? I guess I'd say original content. I mean, he that's something he can bring. He's got relationships uh, Get some Lonely Island videos on there. I, I can't get enough Lonely Island boys. Oh, my God. What's, those a, what's are Lonely Island? That's his joint venture with – or, well, no, that's just Andy Sandberg and, and a couple of other guys. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. The yeah. digital shorts. Mother Lover. On Saturday Captain Night Live. Jack Sparrow. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Captain Jack. Jason, one piece of advice for Justin Timberlake? So does more cowbell count in this case? Or at least just throwing Christopher Walken's face up there. Well, that's always a winning strategy. Yeah, yeah. Always a winning. No, I, th- I think really, in all honesty, I mean, as long as he can and t- sort of parlay his relationships with with the people in the music and arts uh, industries, I, th- I think that that's really you know his best shot is to to really gear it towards a specific audience. He's got the movies. He's you know got SNL as we talked about. Obviously, he's a great singer performer. Uh, is it safe to say if Justin Timberlake was a stock, we'd all be buying shares? Sure. I mean, he's a great long-term hold. I don't know. You're a value guy, so I'm, I'm pretty sure shares of Justin Timberlake are pretty expensive. I think he'll, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think he's like the Amazon of the 
Justin, Christina, Brittany group, you know, like he's still going strong. He's a triple threat. Yeah. He'll be around for a long time. Triple I could see him guy. being kind of like a Sinatra esque. <laughs> yeah, I think Br- I think Britney Spears, unfortunately, is still a penny stock. So <laughs> yeah, All right, Jason Moser, Joe Mager, Charlie Travers, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Be sure to check out Motley Fool Money this weekend. It is our mid-year review. We will look back at the big stories of the first half of 2011 and make some reckless predictions for the rest of the year. That's Motley Fool Money on iTunes, online, and on radio stations across America. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.